Hello, Untangling audience. Um, It's been a while since I recorded an episode. The last uh, episode I recorded was back on uh, March 28th. And if you could hear the sound. That's a nice cold beer going into a... uh, nice glass on a beautiful uh, Saturday night here in uh, Bloomington. Uh, So what's been going on since March? Well, a lot. Um, First and foremost, in regards to work, been very productive uh, at work. I was selected to uh, present to the leadership team in regards to the effectiveness of uh, communication uh, and uh, also the uh, effectiveness of trust and how the two intermingle. And it really re- went really, 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 really well. Uh, a lot of praises uh, from HR, uh, VP, my uh, boss, uh, di- my boss who's a, a director. And one of the things I touch on when it comes to communication is that you know, a lot of times when you're dealing with a team, let's just say you go to a meeting and, uh, you know, the instructions are cascaded down. What tends to happen to a lot of leaders is that they're extremely confused by the directions and then they try to basically bring that initiative to their team and then they get upset when their team questions them in regards to this isn't making much sense. So one of the things I said you have to do as a leader is... If it doesn't make sense to you, do not communicate it to your team. Uh, go back, either read over the meet, uh, meeting minutes, uh, listen to the recording, or reach out to whoever initiated that meeting and get the right answers before communicating that information to your team. Uh, the other thing I said was, you know, when I first started uh, as a, a leader, Uh, A lot of hurdles, Uh, had a team where, you know, you had a lot of strong personalities that didn't see things the way I saw things. And one of the things I'll never forget is um, the New York Giants, you know, had a coach, Tom Coughlin. And one of the greatest things Tom Coughlin ever said is he walked into the Giants organization and it is dysfunctional. Okay, so this is first year in uh, New York. And he has all these, you know, players there. You have this culture. He's trying to change it. And he initiates, hey, you got to wear a suit and tie to practice. A lot of people didn't like it, but he's just like, that place was so disorganized that he wanted you to wear a suit and tie. So you had people coming up to him saying, hey, I had these coaches. They all came here, all these gimmicks. There was all kinds of, I'm not following this guy's instructions. And Tom Coughlin said something pretty powerful. Uh, He said that, listen, I know I'm going to be here. In the next three to five years, the question is, are you going to be here in the next three to five years? So I say that because when I took over as a leader in a new organization, one of the things that, you know, happened early on is I had the backing of my director who eventually didn't last in the organization, which is a whole nother podcast. Um, And then he was replaced by my other manager, uh, who was extremely strong-minded, had a lot of power within the organization. And one of the things she said when she was giving me all the initiatives to uh, carry out was, I have your back. 
And I told her, I said, listen, what's the lowest score you've ever seen in regards to an employee engagement to a manager? And she's just like, you know, I've seen some low ones. And, you know, we just had that conversation. And I told her, hey, get ready for the lowest score you've ever seen in your life. And sure enough, I carried out all her initiatives and the team um, hated it. And they basically gave me a score where you can believe. Uh, and I told her, listen, you know, you wanted me to carry these out. Here's the results. And I told you this would happen. And luckily for me, you know, she had power in the organization. We partnered with HR and everything ended up uh, working out. But as part of the presentation, what I did was I correlated my struggles and then I correlated it to um, my last year's engagement score, which was just through the roof. In regards to communication, out of 100, I want to say I got a 98%. In regards to trust, it was at 100%. But in order to tie that all together, I had to tell, and I want to say there was 150 leaders uh, from the organization on this call, I had to show them you know, where I came from, what I was able to do in order to get to where I am. And one of the things I was able to do is that a simple philosophy that I live by is that if something's going to impact a team, it's going to impact a person, it's going to impact their workflow, they have to be involved in that decision. Uh, so for example, um, when you're talking about restructuring a new contract, you should never structure a contract, roll it out to the team and say, sign the dotted line, meet with your team, go over it, explain the why, have their input, make sure you come to an agreement before submitting that information to HR. So in 2020, when I had a very successful year, I truly involved the team a lot more when carrying out initiatives. I explained the why, which is extremely important and uh, also just scheduling the one-on-ones, um, you know, being open to uh, constructive uh, feedback. And, you know, and it's been extremely hard because, you know, we're also in a virtual setting. And to open up the presentation, what I did was I opened it up with a quote. And this is a honest to goodness quote one of my professors so when i was getting my masters at northeastern one of the things i asked the professor is hey what does it take to be a successful leader and this is in 2015 and i'll never forget it uh he said that you have to have very effective communication skills but most importantly you have to know how to be a virtual leader. And after I said that quote, I said, no truer statement has ever been spoken, especially based on where we are today as a country where because of a pandemic, we had to all go virtual. So this is in 2015 and a professor is telling me the importance of being a virtual leader, which is a phrase I've never heard in my life until that point. Virtual? Well, what, what do you mean? And, you know, he went on to explain and it was just really, you know, uh, gems that have impacted my career 
and you know it's led to um you know just a lot of great things so i said that because you know i said the last time i recorded a uh podcast was back on march 28th and i'm happy to be back in uh you know the office doing more podcast uh this is very therapeutic love the untangling uh, audience so keep those emails coming through and you know giving me uh those uh show ideas so since march 28th what else is going on well um the stock market is up and down it's crazy and it was interesting because with the stock market you know i had my money in a mutual fund so i had it in vym and vcr two great stocks great returns but then what happens to you know the average investor is you're reading the newspaper or you know you're online and when i say newspaper i mean new york times on your computer i, I don't know if anyone actually still reads the newspaper but the mutual funds you know they were going but it's it's interesting you know with a mutual fund it's a great way to manage your money but i just struggle with the fees you know that are associated with it and i said listen i'm going to take this thing into my own hands so i went on uh vanguard's website i said what are they investing in let me see here apple bought it walmart bought it what else are they investing in oh it looks like they're investing in jp morning morgan purchased that so i just looked at their portfolio and i said listen i'll do my i'll do it myself and save myself on the uh fees i'm already paying through the roof on my 401k it seems like anybody you invest with you know the hands are out just simply taking your money so it's really transparent in regards to what they're investing so i just basically took it starbucks great i'll buy it for myself did that as well so getting a great return in regards to my investing i'm just tired of paying fees i pay enough on my 401k so i'm just like you know what with these mutual funds i'm all set but here's where the mutual funds uh, actually do have an advantage is for example if they see that okay starbucks is struggling and they're going to simply input nike that's information you don't have access to that's where the management comes in okay or you know what's big right now uh coin so let's replace this with coin you wouldn't know to do that until one of your stocks takes a hit but that's the path i'm willing to travel and you know the last couple of days were very scary because i seen my gains simply get wiped out but the last couple of days i saw all my uh gains return and i'm in the thing for the long haul uh i've had apple for the last year and a half no intention of selling it just continuing to buy more shares uh apple announced you know within the next 10 years they plan to buy 90 billion dollars worth of stock uh back i said hey that sounds like a plan for me uh and so i'm sticking with apple you know walmart is walmart uh they're gonna continue to produce you know you don't need a genius to tell you to purchase walmart but where my portfolio has really uh you know taking a churn is in regards to all the cryptocurrency at first i wasn't a believer but the more i read about crypto uh the more i became a believer if you haven't had a chance uh 
The Daily had an amazing episode on Dogecoin. And I'm not saying invest in Dogecoin uh, because uh, personally, I don't know what to think when it comes to that. But it was very fascinating on how people have been able to make a fortune when it comes to investing in crypto. So after reading crypto, seeing that, okay, this isn't going away, okay? Um, uh, Goldman Sachs announced that if you have a portfolio with them and it's worth over $25 million, you will have access to investing in crypto. So when Goldman Sachs starts, you know, setting the path in regards to, hey, this thing is legit, uh, you know, your ears should perk up in regards to, okay, maybe this is going somewhere. JP Morgan, same thing. And so with Doge, it's a fascinating story on how this guy in LA was struggling. His only goal was to buy a house, got a job making 35, 35 to $38,000 a year. He ends up purchasing a bunch of Doge coin uh, on margin, which is beyond insane. And long story short, this guy ends up netting $2.2 million and he refuses to sell, even though he was literally broke, you know, um, six months prior to purchasing uh, Dogecoin. So what I've done in the crypto space is I've invested in uh, PayPal uh, because, you know, it's available on their platform and PayPal is a company that I feel like they're so well managed that they'll know immediately when to make the churn when it's not working. And not to mention, it's a great stock excluding the whole crypto aspect of it. Uh, the other stock that I've uh, purchased is uh, Square. And with Square, same exact thing. Amazing business model. Uh, you'd be amazed on how many partnerships uh, Square has. Whenever you go into a store, you conduct a transaction, there's a great chance that Square is actually behind that transaction. So they've adopted uh, cryptocurrency as well. And because of that, I'm taking a risk on, okay, let's just say crypto were to go away. These are still just great stocks to own. In regards to Bitcoin, uh, you know, obviously it's great to own. But right now at $55,000, I think it was the last time I checked, uh, that's a little bit uh, too pricey. But if you're on the Robinhood app, you could buy the uh, fractions of uh, Bitcoin and it is really, really smart investing. So that's what's been going on in regards to the investing uh, side uh, for me. And, you know, just simply uh, staying busy. In regards to uh, personal, it's been interesting. Um, got my second uh, dose of uh, vaccine in regards to COVID. I think I touched based on that in regards to um, my last podcast. And it just feels great to be fully vaccinated. Uh, however, the CDC came out today and not today, this week. And it's on May 15th, 2021. And they said that, hey, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. Which I find, you know, pretty reckless because 
how do you know if somebody's vaccinated or not? I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where people weren't wearing masks regardless. Now they're saying you don't have to wear a mask. And I think it's more of a let's reopen the economy uh, aspect than a safety aspect. But I had an interesting conversation with my wife. I said, listen, I'm a big mask believer. And, you know, one of the things she said is within the last year um, since this thing started, she hasn't had a cold. And I said, exact same thing with me. I haven't had a cold. I haven't had a flu. So I'll be that one guy where once the economy opens back up, I'll be the one guy wearing a mask in uh, a public space. You know, people could laugh. Uh, people could do whatever they want. These are the same people, you know, uh, 40 to 50 years ago who thought smoking was a good idea until they figured out, okay, uh, not only is this thing not a good idea, it's also dangerous. One of the things, you know, with the CDC, I hope they would do, we've been able to learn a lot from this pandemic. So why not just say, if you are a waiter or a waitress, you have to continue to wear your mask. I figured we would have learned some lessons from this pandemic. There's no reason why somebody carrying your food should be breathing particles of God knows what into your food at a restaurant. When they say everybody could let, you know, you got vaccinated, okay, take the mask off. It's just like, no, there's a lot of precautions we can take so this never happens again. And it's almost like people just aren't interested in that. It's like, hey, let's just go back to the way it was pre-pandemic. The way I look at this pandemic is like, it happened for a reason. And not to be able to learn anything from that. So your waiter, waitress, they're carrying your food out sneezing, doing who knows what, you don't know who's sick in that restaurant. They wear a mask that would reduce people getting sick, but I don't know how, what the percentage is, but I just know it's better than 0%. Okay. So hopefully there are some takeaways from this, but it seems like there's not, it just seems like people want to go back to, you know, going to concerts, hanging out, doing what they did before instead of like, Hey, let's take the precautions. So that way, okay. Based on what we're hearing coming out of India, if a second strain were to come in here, we'd be pre better protected. Cause it just seems like COVID's not going away. So also in regards to COVID is simply the argument. Do you continue to let people work from home or do you bring them back into the office? And, you know, we always talk that people are really struggling to connect the dots because I'm vaccinated. It doesn't mean I can't get COVID and bring it back to my uh, daughter who's not capable of being vaccinated based on her age. Okay. So I always look at it like it's a very selfish approach. I'm vaccinated. Everything's okay. No. What if somebody decided not to get vaccinated? who happens to be a friend of yours. So you're going to go into an environment, you get COVID, you bring it back to your friend, or same thing could be said for close family members who decided against the vaccine or can't take the vaccine for whatever reason. It's almost like, you know, and maybe it's the American way. 
me, me, me. I'm vaccinated, all normal. Let me go out there, be reckless. Like this thing never existed. It's just really bizarre. And for the CDC to basically be supporting this, it's just like, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate. So we'll wait to see how it goes. I learned a valuable lesson in regards to the importance of, you know, human to human contact. Um, so I will keep my distance. Any uh, meeting I'm able to call in, I'm calling in 99% of the time. And there's something about being careful. And sometimes people say, okay, that's a little bit overboard. But based on what we were able to learn, I, I, I don't think that's the case. All right, let's move on. So what else have I been up to? I stopped watching the news. I haven't watched the news in over eight months. Uh, however, you know, I'll go on Twitter and you get an idea of what's going on in the world. So I'm not, you know, exactly blind to everything that's happening. It's I just refuse to feed into the propaganda. Uh, you know, somebody tweeted they're very upset with Tucker Carlson because Tucker Carlson spent the last year and a half telling people how COVID is a hoax. And now there's word on the streets that, hey, Tucker Carlson got vaccinated, but he doesn't want to say that to his viewers. And I said, you know, it takes a different person to literally just feed nonsense to people and do the opposite. Um, and it just seems like that's how human beings are wired. It's almost like there's joy in fooling people. And it's really bizarre. You know, I always said it. If you're a racist, like, be proud. It's what you are. It's who you are. What are you hiding? If it's wrong, okay, then why would you continue to do it? Clearly, there's something in your brain saying, this is right. This is a great way to live. So express that. And I know this sounds crazy, but a lot of times, you know, you have racists down south. And believe me, the south doesn't have a monopoly on racism. And, you know, they're proud about it. You know who they are. There's something to that. It sounds crazy, but it's almost like something you could kind of respect because they're like, listen, I'm going down with the ship. I always said the most dangerous racist person is a person who doesn't think they're racist. And you see a lot of that in the liberal uh, part of the country, you know, say all the right things, do all the right thing. Where are you sending your kid? Oh, I'm sending my kid to uh, private school. Oh, not public school. Oh, no, 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 no. Why not? Oh, you know, the education's better. Well, how would you know that? You don't know anything about education. That's not your specialty. What would make you say something like that? And we all know what it is. We don't need to get into it. But I've stayed away from news because it's so divisive. And there are people who are literally so bought in that they're not even living their best life. They're not going out doing the things they do. They literally mentally are like in a civil war, except there's not really a civil war. It's a mindset. It's a mentality. And once they have you trapped, I'll tell you this, you know, as a communications major, one of the things I learned, there is a lot 
of money in nonsense. People love nonsense. Um, I'll never forget. People always say, you know, how did like Trump uh, supporters originate? And I said, listen, you know, hindsight, I used to watch Unsolved Mysteries. And I used to like the, you know, hey, let's help solve this crime. You know, something that really happened aspect of it. But then there'd be this other aspect of Unsolved Mysteries where they would talk about aliens, you know, coming down to earth and somebody seeing it. And I said, that's how Donald Trump got into power. Just make something up, feed it to somebody and they'll believe it. They won't believe the truth, but they'll believe nonsense. I know it sounds crazy. Maybe your brain's not wired that way. Um, but you know, that, that's what it is. So I've stayed away from the news. I've been doing a lot of, um, you know, what's called the Libby app and the Libby app is basically, you know, your local library. You're able to download books uh, for free. You're able to listen to audio books for free. And, uh, the most recent one I had a chance to listen to is, uh, John Douglas and it is called law and order and it's the uh behavioral science in the fbi uh and one of the things john douglas says who is an ex-fbi agent is that he wanted to take the bs out of the uh uh, uh bureau so it is a fascinating book in regards to, you know, the interviews uh, he has with uh, different uh, serial killers. And one of them is uh, Charles uh, Manson. And one of the interesting things about Charles Manson is that it turns out he was only like five feet two. But what he would do in order to control a room is he would sit up on a desk or when he was talking to you know, his followers in the, you know, desert, he climb on a rock. So that way he could basically establish, um, you know, uh, just being uh, superior to everybody else. And so he said, you know, Charles Manson was a fascinating uh, study. He also, uh, you know, interviewed uh, Ed uh, Camper and what's, who was uh, the co-ed killer. And what's fascinating about this book is that, you know, this person, you know, did all this stuff, but it's the preparation before the interview. Uh, one of the things he would do is uh, the lighting. How is the lighting in the room? Uh, he would also, um, you know, just have all his research done because he knew, you know, you're dealing with very smart people and it was a game of chess, okay? Uh, they go this way. You have to go this way. And he said, the saddest thing is, you know, a lot of people say in the FBI or a police officer or a, uh, let's just say soldier in the military, do you want to, car uh, to, uh, compartmentalize, you know, your job. And he said, no, you do not want to do that because in a sad way, you almost have to like become these people. He said, I know it sounds sick, but the way he would talk to them. And, uh, this is, this book is actually based on how mind hunters, uh, which is the uh, series on Netflix was written is you almost have to become these people in order to catch them. And so it was very, very, very fascinating. He said, 
you know, there's a trauma it brought. He almost lost his life as an FBI, FBI agent. And he said, if you're an FBI agent and some of the cases, what one human being is capable of doing to another human being, he said, you would never let your child or uh, children uh, leave your house if you knew the evil uh, that existed in this world. So instead of watching news, Libby, uh, listening to a lot of uh, podcasts, and if you're trying to learn about uh, cryptocurrency, then clearly uh, there's a lot of great podcasts in regards to uh, cryptocurrency. So staying busy, you know, the weather's been nice, so doing a lot of uh, work around the house, a lot of yard work, um, you know, staying in uh, contact uh, with family and friends, and also just, you know, planning uh, our summer. What trips do we have uh, planned? Where do we wanna go? Uh, now that they're easing uh, restrictions. And again, I will continue to wear my mask, but being able to plan again, uh, it's, just, it's just been amazing. Uh, so, you know, a lot happening. What else is going on? So the other thing that's going on is, you know, watching a couple of shows here and there, wherever I get some time. And uh, my wife got me hooked on Money Heist and she absolutely loves it so we watched it together she's on season four and she went back uh to watch um you know season one episode one two and three with me and i'm immediately hooked uh so i want to say it's uh takes place in like spain and the acting is a plus and the other thing that's so fascinating about it is that you're always thinking, okay, so what's going to happen here? And then they go back in time to kind of explain the story. It's almost like the ultimate puzzle. If you watch the first episode, uh, you will be hooked because it's such a well-written show. Like any show, again, I don't know where the other seasons end up, but based on the first three episodes that I've seen, it is truly a fascinating show. So if you haven't had a chance to see it, I highly recommend watching Money Heist. The other um, show that I'm watching is uh, Snowfall. My cousin got me uh, hooked on it. And it is such a fascinating story. It's one of those shows where it reminds me a little bit of Breaking Bad, where you can't predict what's going to happen next. And... There's a little bit of uh, Game of Thrones, and I know Game of Thrones will spark a nerve for people, but I say that because in Snowfall, you don't know if the main character is gonna get killed or you know a uh, you know co-actor. Uh, you just don't know who's next to go. And the only other show I really saw that in was Breaking Bad. The Wire, uh, obviously Sopranos, and Game of Thrones. And trust me, based on how Game of Thrones ended, I'm not a fan either. So if you haven't seen Snowfall, it's on FX. And I went to watch it. It was only season four. And I'm trying to watch season one. And it's trying to charge me. So luckily, I have a fire stick. And you get a chance to talk into the fire stick. And I said, um, Snowfall. And sure enough... If you want to want to know why Amazon's trading at four thousand dollars, 
it brings up um, uh, Snowfall, hit play, and I start from season one. So with Snowfall, it reminds me of the Rick Ross story. If some of you don't know, okay, and I'm talking about the real Rick Ross, not the rapper. Uh, if you've ever seen CB4, it's pretty funny because it's these guys in jail who's still a rapper's name, and it is the one of the best comedies. So you have a rapper, Rick Ross, and then you have the real Rick Ross who sold drugs in the early 80s. And the real Rick Ross is very upset that a rapper stole his name. It's really something out of the movies. We're like, hey, this has a lot of CB4. But anyways, uh, so with Snowfall, it is based on, I want to say it's based on the Rick Ross story where this young kid who's extremely talented, and it's pretty funny because he kind of looks like me in a way, believe it or not. He kind of looks like uh, uh, me and uh, I have a, a half-brother if we were to basically become one, it'd be this character, right? Identical. And with Snowfall, this kid's just trying to figure out how to make it out of Compton. And he ends up basically getting involved in the cocaine game. And the acting is A+. Like, how these actors aren't getting awards tells you all you need to know about Hollywood. A plus acting. And this guy gets so deep into the coke game that he's just like, listen, based on where we live in, you know, South Central, our customers can't afford this. This is too expensive. So he takes a trip to Oakland and in Oakland, he meets this guy who's just, you know, out of his mind, almost gets, uh, I don't want to ruin the show for anybody, but you know, there's a lot of violence and something, you know, uh, happens. So he meets this guy and this guy's like, listen, man, you got to basically cook that thing with baking soda. So they do the, you know, the um, chemistry in regards to how to basically create crack. And you got to figure, this is unheard of during this time. Nobody knows what crack is. And this guy, you know, he shows them the chemistry. So he goes back to Compton. He starts cooking crack cocaine. And he just, you just see it. You know, what it did to a community what it did to uh, African-Americans as a whole. And the perspective it catches, it's just like, talk about a great sin in American history that gets brushed under the rug. What crack cocaine did to these communities, it's, it is just like, it's heart-wrenching. It's such a tough watch because, you know, the characters, you really start to care about them and then, you know, something happens and it's just, it's, it's just heart wrenching, but it's so well put together. It's so action packed. And the other thing I really like about it as well is that you have the, uh, you know, black gangs in Compton, and then you kind of have the Mexican gangs moving in as well. So it's able to capture that dyna dynamic. It's able to capture, you know, the LAPD during that time. It's able to capture you know, our government during that time. And so overall is just a great show. But um, yeah, those are the two shows that I'm currently hooked on. And there's just way too many great content to be caught up in the news, caught up in the nonsense, choosing a side in a mental civil war uh, that's not gonna happen, okay? 
uh, it's not going to happen uh, because there is way too much at stake and there is just too many opportunities in this country for people to simply, you know, buy into any of this nonsense. Well, so, you know, that was a lot of, you know, getting caught up, uh, untangling audience. I hope everything's going good in, uh, your life. Uh, hope you have a lot of great plans for the summer. Again, my goal was to release 12 episodes this year. And I want to say this is going to be episode, uh, seven or eight. I'm losing count. Okay. And you know, the other thing I did is I also got a Apple watch. If you don't have an Apple watch, I highly recommend it. I held off. I want to say five years from getting an Apple watch. I got one for my wife for her birthday one time and she was not, uh, thrilled, uh, didn't want it. It is what it is. And I said, yeah, whatever. And, uh, you know, for Christmas, she's just like, Hey, five years, this is five years later. I'd like an Apple watch. And so I get her an Apple watch. More of the story is I should have asked her. Okay. Or waited for her to uh, tell me if she wanted an Apple watch. And she's just ranting and raving about this Apple watch. And I'm like, man, I got to get one. So I go on Apple. It's like, you know, $500. I'm like, I'm not paying $500, you know, for a watch. Um, go to AT&T, who's my provider. Uh, you know, and I'm just like, how does the thing work? It goes, Oh, if you add this, it's going to be $17 to add a line, not, not doing that. So I wait, you know, this is Christmas. And then on my AT&T account, I always pay extra. And so I'm always running a credit and in a weird way, it's kind of like a savings account. And I had basically $800 in credits from AT&T. So I go to the AT&T corporate store. This guy sits me down. One of the most annoying experiences of my life. I tell him, Hey, I'm here for an Apple watch. Hey, before we do that. Okay. This is him speaking with me before we do that. Your data plan. Oh, my data plan. It's unlimited. I'm happy with them. Did you know about 5g? Yeah, I know about 5g. Uh, that's covered my data plan, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's covered. Oh, who do you have your internet through? Oh, my internet is through uh, Comcast. You know, it's technically through Xfinity, but they're owned by Comcast. Oh, um, we have AT&T plan. Let me see. Okay. 40 minutes later. I'm not even kidding. Um, can I buy a Apple watch? Sure. What color would you like it in? Oh, I'd like it in blue. He goes out back. This is 40 minutes after nonsense. Go out back. He comes back. Oh, we don't have it. Uh, What do you mean you don't have it? We only have it in red. Well, I don't want red. Well, we could order it and it's going to be here maybe three to five days. And I just, I I took my stuff. I, I left. Okay. And so I go to Best Buy. I go to Best Buy and amazing customer service. I said, Hey, I'm here for an I, uh, Apple, uh, I watch and I prefer the blue one. Oh, great. Would you like the one where, you know, you're able to basically, um, you know, call from the I watch What's the difference in price difference in price is $10 a month. Okay. That sounds great. Here's what I'm trying to do. I recently got a bike and there's no apps to measure the exercise you get from a uh, bike 
and I know the iWatch basically tracks that. Oh, perfect. Yeah, this is exactly, you know, the products for you. I have the exact same thing. He goes out back, he gets me a blue one. Literally, some of the best customer service I've ever received in my life. Uh, they always said this about selling cars. If somebody comes in and they know the car they want to buy, your only question should say be, which color? Okay? That's how easy sales is. But people love to get into weeds. They love to get into the nonsense. And that's why people who struggle in sales struggle in sales. One thing I always knew in sales was people who are wasting my time and people who weren't wasting my time. And I won't let anybody waste my time. Oh, this is a trusted. No, no, no. Nobody's trusted. Okay. This is business. And so just a great experience. I got my iWatch. I'm, you know, riding my bike, uh, riding my bike and the way it measures. So it has a blood oxygen to measure your blood oxygen. It has a heart uh, rate, uh, cardio to measure your heartbeat. It has a, uh, you know, if you're hiking, measuring your steps, if you're out walking, it measures, you know, uh, your daily steps. It measures how many times you stand. It'll tell you, Hey, it's time to breathe. There's a breathing exercise to make sure you're staying healthy. I'm telling you right now, Apple is going to change the world. And I know they already have, but I don't think they've started. So with Apple, what's the future? And I know you've heard about the fight between Facebook and Apple. And what's so fascinating about those companies, A, who cares if they're fighting? Buy both stocks, okay? I truly believe Facebook is well over a $2,000 stock when it's all said and done. And Apple, they'll continue to split, so I, I can't predict that. But with Facebook, and I know they're fighting over pri privacy right now, but internally, they are in a fight in regards to augmented reality and and that's uh, versus virtual reality. And so that's the next fight. Uh, Apple and uh, Facebook, you know, they're, they dug in uh, their heels and it's something they're going to bring to the market uh, within the next three to five years. And I know uh, Facebook has already tried, but they haven't mastered the technology. Uh, so that's where the fight is. And I said, listen, if these two organizations are working on augmented reality and virtual reality, and they want to conquer that space, and uh, there's really no market cap on that space yet because it hasn't been created. Again, there's a lot of companies who are working on it, okay? It's not where you could basically box it up and ship it to the masses. If you don't know the difference between augmented reality and virtual reality, do yourself a favor, start doing research on it. So I, that's why I see these two companies fighting and I say, hey, listen, I would basically purchase both stocks. They're both great companies to, uh, uh, to have. Uh, with Facebook, uh, Facebook's gonna be extremely dangerous when they figure out, hey, you know what? Uh, let's start charging uh, Super Bowl um, dollars for some of these advertisements. And with Facebook in my line of work, I see the data in regards to our advertising and so let's just say you have print, you have uh, digital, digital is basically email or whatever form, social media forms of uh, communication. You have 
um, you know, uh, mailers, uh, Facebook is blowing all of them out of the water. It's not even close when it comes to um, advertising and getting people to buy your product. So being on the back end of it as well is why I'm a true believer in Facebook, even though I probably use their uh, platform once every month. I've always been a very, very difficult person to advertise to, so I'm not exactly their target uh, audience. So with that, um, it's been great getting caught up you know, looking forward to uh, some new show ideas. One of the things I want to do this summer is to go to a beach and, um, you know, broadcast a podcast from the beach. So we'll wait to see if that happens. And also some even better news. So I'm part of an organization called CIAHU, which is Central... Um, Illinois Association of Healthcare Underwriting. And uh, I was just recently promoted to president, which is set to take effect on June uh, 1st. Um, and it's really exciting because, you know, just working with the team, it really introduced me to, you know, budgeting at a high level. And so very thankful for that. I came in as a communications co-chair, worked my up to uh, president-elect, and they voted for me to be uh, president. And it was really cool because I used Zoom, I used their poll feature, and there was you know four different uh, positions. So I wanna say there was the um, uh, president, you have the president-elect, which is my old position, you have the secretary, uh, which we were able to fill. And I want to say you have the uh, communications uh, co-chair and technically five because you also have the treasury uh, aspect of it. So we were able to uh, fill those positions. We don't have a president-elect yet. Uh, so we're looking for somebody to uh, you know fill uh, that void, but it feels great. Uh, just learning you know, as the president-elect, uh, you know, just being a hand where a hand is needed and, you know, being promoted started uh, June 1st is a honor. Uh, I'll have one more year left because it is a two-year uh, commitment to be part of a board. And, uh, you know, I told a friend of mine, I go, listen, we had a meeting, there was eight of us, and we couldn't come to an agreement. And I said, if eight people can't come to an agreement, how the hell? heck is the United States government going to come to an agreement with over 250 uh, some odd members? So, Untangling audience, uh, hope you enjoyed today's episode. Always good catching up. Uh, I'll see you on uh, the flip side.